Okay, we have two readings today. Uh, the first is from Exodus, chapter 34, verses 33 through 35, and those can be found on your pew Bibles in page 89. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. The second reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, and that can be found on page 1120 in your pew Bible. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. He comforts, he counsels, and he helps. He fills, he convicts, he comes upon, he prays, he speaks, he dwells within, he guides, he leads, he reveals. At times he says no, he gives life, he testifies, he gives us access to the Father, he gives us gifts and he activates those gifts in each one of us, he empowers, he creates, he anoints, and he helps us discern. There are a multitude of things that the Holy Spirit does that we read in the Holy Scripture, and the list I just gave doesn't cover it all. But today I want us to know how the Spirit transforms. He transforms the Christian into the image, into the likeness of the Lord. We we heard it read. It says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How does this happen? Because I certainly need some changing. I need some transformation. I I need to be more like Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm too judgmental. I lack compassion. I can be too calculating. I'm too self-centered. I'm not enough other-centered. I have too much pride. I swear too much. I need transformation. An even better, an even better translation of that phrase, ever-increasing glory, and literally it says from glory to glory. From one degree of degree of glory to another. At our 830 service, we sang a a great hymn of the church called Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And in that hymn, there's a line that says, changed from glory into glory. 
How does that happen? Or maybe you're asking, when is this going to happen for me? Actually, it is happening. It is. If a Christian who is daily surrendering to the Spirit and seeking to live for the Lord, if that's you, you are being transformed. Well, what is this glory? Paul writes these words against the background of Moses and the old covenant of the law. It's a little confusing. It's a little complicated. I kind of struggled reading it all week, but it's like this. God gave the law to Israel through Moses, and the law was full of glory. Now, glory not only means brightness, but glory in the Bible, the the word literally means something that is heavy, something that is weighty. Uh, glory means something or someone has substance. It's full of glory. When Moses would meet with God, his face would be full of bright glory and also this presence, this heaviness of the Lord. I mean that in a good sense. And he would radiate the glory of the Lord. And the people of Israel, when he came back, they couldn't handle it. So he would put a veil over his face. Now, if the old covenant of keeping the law to be right with God was full of glory, how much more full of glory is the new covenant, the ministry of the Spirit? The law brought condemnation because no one can keep the law of God. But the ministry of the Spirit brings rightness with God through grace. So Paul makes a play on this image of this veil being on Moses' face by likening the old covenant of the law to be like that veil which covers the full face and the glory of Christ. And a life that tries to make it with God on its own effort, banking and trusting on its own good works, that's a veiled life. It's not going to see the full glory of God. But when someone turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, that veil is removed. There is nothing between us and God, and we see God for who He truly is. Now, again, this stretch of verses can seem a little bit convoluted, but in short, remember this. There is nothing between us and the glory of God now. With unveiled faces, we see the glory of God. That verse, 2 Corinthians 3, in the message, it reads like this. All of us, nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. From glory to glory. And that comes from the Spirit. Part of the ministry of the Spirit is to transform us into the image of Christ. Every person is created in the image of God. But that image was defaced by sin when we turned away from the Lord. When we turned to the Lord, back to Him, and we say, yes, I'm a Christian. My life belongs to the Lord. I'm a disciple of Christ, and I'm following in the way of Jesus that He wants for me. That image begins to go through a repair, and it is the Spirit who is the one who works that repair. He he restores, He repairs, He transforms. And we read that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's there's freedom. Not freedom from God, or not to do the things God wants us to do. Obedience is always part and parcel of the life of Christ. But we are free from the condemnation of the law. Hear Romans chapter 8. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We could not keep the law. Christ came, and he bore the penalty of our not keeping the law on the cross, and we were rewarded as if we had fulfilled the law completely. That's the way we're seen, as if we have fulfilled the law. We are no longer under condemnation. We now walk by the Spirit. And we take our freedom in the Spirit seriously. And what that means is that we're not living by fear of making a mistake here and there. Because our mistakes can't hold a candle to the love of God that draws us to Him. Remember that the Spirit's like the wind. You can't always see how He's working. And I'm not exactly sure how it works, but transformation um, to come into our lives isn't going to happen by legalism or finding a, going through a list of have to do these things. We certainly need to place ourselves in a place where God can reach us and where he can work on us. But trying harder is not going to bring transformation. How do we become something else? I know the transformation of the Spirit of God works in our lives doesn't come suddenly. It comes over time. It comes gradually, progressively. Think of a newborn baby. Now, it takes a long time for a baby to become a physically, emotionally mature person. And that baby will be changed as he or she is nurtured and nourished, as they are taught and disciplined as they live and as they learn and as they desire to grow up. Think of a marriage. Everything may not be glorious from day one in a marriage. How many young couples have I heard? Say, wow, that first year or two, that was, that was harder than we thought it was ever going to be. It doesn't happen all at once. There's a lot of ups and downs sometimes to go through. Think of something like music. Now, everyone can appreciate music, but an appreciation of certain types of music might have to grow. It may take time. Unless it's like Justin Bieber, in, in which case... Um, that transformation will probably never take place. But <laughs> and I probably just offended somebody here, some young person here, but got to tell it like it is. The transformation, the transformation of our lives to become more like Christ, it takes place over time. It takes time to learn how to ride the wind of the Spirit, if you would. And he, he comes so subtly but steady like a gentle rain just bearing fruit in us little by little. And his transformation in our lives can't even be seen or necessarily measured. Sometimes we can look back and we can look 20 years, 10 years, two years ago, maybe even a year ago and say, yes, I can see how I've changed. I can see how I've been transformed. I can see the growth. But it, you know what? It came over time. One of my spiritual amas, ama means mother. One of my spiritual mothers is Evelyn Underhill. I have read her for years. She's gone now. But in one of the retreats that she gave on Christian growth one time, she said, 
We grow as Christians not by thinking about it. And we don't grow by constantly measuring ourselves, nor do we pull up the roots and look at them every day to see how they're growing. It's like that child who wants to get taller. Just because he measures himself against the wall every day doesn't mean that he's going to get taller or grow. Um, And Christ never showed the slightest interest in self-analysis. But he showed tremendous interest in self-giving and service. And she said, Evelyn Underhill said, saints are notoriously not interested in themselves, but passionately interested in God and other souls. It's like a plant that grows. It grows by moving towards the sun, towards that place of energy and heat. It doesn't look inside itself to grow. And, and we grow by looking to God and, and reaching and, and, and moving towards Him. And that's a word for 21st century Western Christian spirituality. Christian maturity takes place when the Spirit takes us out of ourselves, not further into ourselves. Secular spirituality, it seeks to fill itself with itself. Christian spirituality says we seek to be filled with God's Spirit. In Romans, we read, the goal of our lives as Christians is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Sometimes people ask me, what is up? Phil, what are your goals? What are your vision? What's your vision for the church? What's your vision, Phil? Like uh, more people coming, uh, bigger budget, uh, livelier worship services, more activity? How about for each one of us to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ? Can we do better than that? I think that should be the goal of every church. Be conformed to the image of the Son. Live like Jesus. Look like Jesus. That's my goal. That's my hope. That's my vision. And this is a process. There are no spiritual faith lifts or liposuction or Botox treatments in faith to make us look more like Christ all of a sudden. Now, I know we get frustrated because of our lack of transformation. All our years of coming to worship, all the years of the Bible studies I've done, all the groups, all the reading, all the praying, all the mission trips, whatever, and we feel like we should be farther along. I know I feel like that sometimes. We won't be perfect until we arrive in heaven with the Lord. John writes in his first letter, he says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when He is revealed... We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Someday we will be like him perfectly. Right now, we're still in process. We're still growing, being transformed. But do know this, do know this. The Christian life is never stagnant. Never. If we're facing the Lord, and by that I mean pursuing a faithful life of trying to be a true disciple of the Lord. The Spirit is doing a transforming work, whether we feel like it or not. Just like our physical life is not stagnant. Our our biological selves and our physical selves, there's always something happening. We're, we're, We're decaying or we're growing and we're changing. Spiritually, God is changing us. Our cooperation will give the Spirit the access he needs to move that transformation along. 
as we become more open to the Lord, as we gather with other Christians, as we nourish our lives in the Scriptures, as we approach our lives more prayerfully, as we trust in times of adversity, as we seek love and justice and seek to serve, that gives the Spirit the right conditions to bring some transformation. Even the desire to be more like Christ is a sign of transformation. Even the hunger for righteousness is evidence of the Holy Spirit. It takes time. It's going to take time to move more, to love God and love neighbor. It takes time to become more prayerful. It takes time to be more focused on giving ourselves away instead of trying to preserve ourselves. It takes time for the rough edges to smooth out a bit. It takes time to become less fearful and more courageous. There's so much of us that needs to be transformed. Yeah. But like the great theologian Winnie the Pooh said, rivers know this. We shall get there someday. Rivers know that. We will get there someday. Did you ever read his works? The works of Winnie the Pooh? Great theologian. Really is. Well, but how will we know when we're getting there? When do we know I'm beginning to be a transformed Christian and I'm being transformed? Because we never arrive. We're always in progress. How do I know? Well, here are some signs of the transformed life. Number one, a holy desire. We're regularly in worship. We're pursuing growth by reading and studying God's word. Prayer is a part of our lives. We want to grow. We want to know. We have an interest in the things of the Lord. There's a desire. Second mark of a transformed life is a holy sensitivity. We become sensitive to the Lord. We're thinking about him in different places in our lives, what he's doing. Uh, We're mindful of his will and of his presence. We see him in the circumstances of our lives. We're sensitive. Third, we're repentant. We want to change. We are aware of our sin. We don't spend our energy rationalizing it, but we ask for grace and God's help right where we are. Fourth, we have a sense of God's calling in our life. We want to use our abilities. We want to use our time. We want to use our our energy for the Lord. We we, we want to go where God wants us. We want to seek Him uh, where He has us. We know our lives just don't belong to ourselves, but they are to be given back to God. We seek reconciliation in relationships. We don't hold grudges. We don't storm off and pout. We seek peace with people. We extend grace. We ask for grace. We're mature enough to know that suffering is part of faithfulness to Jesus. The faithful life in Christ is not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy. There's no experience with Jesus without the cross. And trials and adversities come, and they're part of being a disciple. We speak our faith to others. We're not scared to speak of God. We aren't ashamed of the gospel or who the Lord is. We aren't concerned about how we look because of our faith. We're thankful. We recognize and we take joy in the blessings of our lives and we see God's provision and we see God's goodness and we can celebrate that. And 
We're part of the community. Paul writes that we all, he said, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the glory of the Lord. We all, we do this together with others in the faith. There's no isolated Christianity. The transformed life grows with, learns from, walks with others in the rest of the church, brothers and sisters who are going the same way, looking at the same God. I think these are some of the marks of the transformed life, and they are visible to others. Just like a Marine, you know a Marine when you see one, by the way he or she stands, by the uniform, by the toughness. Or like a classically trained pianist, you know by the way she carries herself or her love for music or the discipline in practice. Or just like you know a great chef by the way uh, he knows food, loves food, moves around the kitchen. So we can tell a transformed Christian it's evident. We become this through a life of discipleship. And there is a cost to non-discipleship. We can waste the opportunity to become what God wants us to become. We can't. Scripture says we can grieve the Holy Spirit by not wanting to or seeking to be conformed to the image of God's Son. It can happen. We can halt His work in our lives, but if we let the veil down, we come to the Lord, we let the Spirit have His way, we will know His transformation. That final verse of the great hymn that I quoted earlier that we sang at 8.30, Love Divine, I'll Love Excelling. By the way, it's written by Charles Wesley. It sings so well. Last verse sings this. Finish then thy new creation, pure, spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. That's the direction of a life that's being transformed from glory to glory. And the Spirit will finish that work in us. How does this table become communion for us? Well, how does it get changed? It gets changed when we come with faith and then the Holy Spirit transforms not only this table the bread and the cup but transforms us in our lives so come all you who have great faith and all of you who have just a little come all those who want more of Jesus who long for a transformed life in him